You are listening to Kingdom Faith, where we focus on the Christian life, the good stuff, and the hard stuff. On this week's episode, uh, we get to hear from Bob Burnsworth and his testimony to God and where God has him at right now. All right, Bob. So basically, what we want you to do, we just want to kind of have you tell us your life story because I know your story. Phil knows your story. People listening to this, maybe a couple of them do, but it's a wild story. And that's we're here to hear you. So take it away. Well, thanks for having me on board on the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm going to start back when I was a kid growing up. I came from a blue-collar family. My dad worked to run his own business. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, which I was blessed with that. Um, but we weren't raised with a Christian background. I wasn't raised in a church. I probably went to church 10 times in my lifetime, and usually because my aunt or uncle drove me, to, took us to the Christmas get-together or the Easter thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a step-grandpa who's a preacher. I heard him preach a couple times. but So I was basically raised in... I've lived here all my life, but I was never raised as a Christian, I would say. I knew there was a God, but I didn't know nothing about God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, during my life as growing up, I you know I go back and think about my life in the past. As a kid in grade school, I would never fit in. I was tall. I was awkward. So I was always trying to fit in with the crowd and find friends. And I would do things to get friends. I might even sneak off the playground to go down to the Burger Dairy to grab stuff from the Burger Dairy store to hand out and just give away to kids candy and gum that kind of stuff and so I didn't think about it until I started thinking about my life as a as a person with it when I got saved it was always trying to fit in as we all try to do try to fit into the world and unfortunately it doesn't come out the way we want to come out sometimes and so you know I did that in junior grade school junior high I got into more intense stuff carrying alcohol drugs in my car having it around me just to have it so I could be people finding me and want to hang out with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't an alcoholic or drug addict, but I was socially drinking a little bit in the junior high age. And when I got to high school, I started really hooked up with some people that were drinking and drugging. I had never done drugs till high school. So I did some marijuana off and on in high school and then some acid and stuff. But I never got hooked on the drugs. I was more al- like the alcohol. Party during the weekends. So, but... I did everything you're supposed to do, went through school, got my high school degree, um, graduated, got a job, working for Unish, different jobs. But the last job I had was working for Unishima Company. I got married at 20, got divorced at 22, got married at 25, got divorced at 26. So I've been married and divorced twice. I have two kids. Um, but in 1988, I uh, was working for a Union Sheet Metal Company, and I fell 18 foot off a roof. Mm, yeah. Broke T12 on L1 vertebrae, bruised my nerves, spinal cord, was told I'd be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. So that was a big life change, making a union sheet metal job, bringing about 400 bucks a week cash home to nothing, basically. Yeah. Social Security was 760 a month. My uh, workman comp, which I got, was another 750 So I was bringing $1,400 a month home. I was bringing roughly 2000 a month home. Mm-hmm. And I had a house car payment of 350 I had child support payment of 350 you know, I was kind of lost. So I fell into the world of the bar scene um, downtown and started doing alcohol pretty heavily, regularly, every day, starting out and then drugs along with it. But mainly I was an alcoholic. Um, I drank from 2 o'clock in the afternoon till 3 o'clock every night. Yeah. Uh, 365 days a year. I found a bar somewhere. I found somewhere to go party. I was dr- mostly walking alcoholic. Um, function alcoholic. I still held a couple odd and end jobs, worked for a pizza place for a little bit here and there, but didn't really fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. So for 10 years, 
All I can tell you it did for 10 years was drink. I lived that life for 10 years. Had a buddies in us. We'd go out every night partying. Um, usually pick them up. We'd go out to meet the bars or whatever. And we'd party. And one buddy kept asking me to go to church with him. And I kept blowing him off. Um, but I was to the point I was doing a gallon of Jack Daniels a day. Mm-hmm. Plus whatever else I could get a hold of. Um, and I was pretty much comatose in alcohol. Uh, that was my fix. I had to find it. There was no way I was going to go without any part of it. Anywhere. Family get-togethers, whatever. I carried a cooler. Had pop and alcohol with me at all time. To the point that it had taken more of my life. I wasn't spending time with my kids. I would My kids would come over. I'd be with them during the day. I'd put them to bed at 10 o'clock. I'd go to the bar until 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were at my parents' house, so they weren't left alone. But I'd get up in the morning and be with them until I went partying again. Uh, people didn't even know I had kids. I didn't take them anywhere with me. My very, my life with my kids kind of separated quite a bit. So I'm down to the point of drinking, to the point of every night. One night I had tipped over the edge. I decided it was time to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any reason to live. There was no reason to be around. I went to the Huntington Reservoir, kissed Qual Dam out there, and I put my truck on the ramp, my car on the ramp at that time. I had a Camaro. And I was sitting there just ready to put it in neutral and just let her go in. Yeah. And then my daughter's face appeared in front of me. Um, I'm like, wait, what's going on here? You know, that's just, it's just, just weird. I mean, her face was right there in front of me in my windshield. Yeah, yeah. And it just hit me that God said, or somebody's telling me, think about this child right here that you're going to leave. Mm-hmm. She's my blood daughter. I have another daughter that I adopted, but she's my blood daughter. And in both of them, I love both my girls to say, don't get me wrong there. Um, but it just hit me hard. I'm like, I can't do this. Um, mm-hmm. So I called my buddy who kept asking me to go to church. He says, sorry, I get a little emotional because I think okay. about it, where I could have just ended my life and ruined everybody else's life because it would have yeah. ruined my daughter's life. It would ruin a bunch of my friend's life. I got a friend right now whose daughter's growing up without her mom, mm. and she keeps talking about her mom not being her life. But um, So I uh, called my buddy and said, what time's church? He says, you need to be, I'll pick you up. So he picked me up. We went to church. Mm. Of course, he went to church every day, every Sunday, but went out partying every Friday and Saturday night with us, getting high and drunk with us. I didn't quite understand his church concept, and that, so I assumed that's how Christianity was. Mm-hmm. So I did the same thing he did. I just didn't drink of drunkenness, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, my—it's funny because I say that. I said, "How do you know when a handicap's drunk? He's running on the wheelchair. How do you know when he's drunk? He's not <laughs> stumbling around. And if he is walking, he walks like a drunk, anyways, when he's sober. So, um, you know, and it just—we were at church." One of the church services, my pastor that I'm still with the same church, was doing a service, and it was about sinners. And I was new to the church, and he set me in the seat in front of everybody and put a mask on me. I was part of that episode. Mm-hmm. And he started talking about sinners. Um, he was talking about alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, womanizers, um, people sleeping with people not being married, mm-hmm. prostitution, all this stuff and it just hit me like a ton of bricks like he's talking about me i can't believe he's put my life in front of these people yeah and it wasn't my life it's people's lives Mm -hmm. it's everybody out there we all have some sin in our closet somewhere that we don't want anybody to know about i wasn't ashamed of my sin Mm -hmm. i mean i was proud i was a partier you know i was proud because that's what i thought i should be um you know nobody wants to be a quitter Mm -hmm. but um and that hit me like a ton of bricks at that point in time. Um, and that's when I really started looking into the, the whole different Christian relief of it. So, you know, um, that's where that got, that's my life up to that point, you know, where God took me and I went down at the altar and uh, 
ask him. I said, I told God, I said, I'm done. I went to my pastor. I said, I need to get my life to Christ. I don't know what's what's going to happen here, mm-hmm. but I'm ready to get my life to Christ and see what he does because this is not working. Yeah. Um, I need to get back with reality and get back to my kids. So I give my life to Christ and I told him to take the alcohol out of my life. And it's hard for me to tell everybody if this is true, but that was the last time I drank a drop of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it's been 20 years ago. And my life has changed completely because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's big. And I know that you remember some of this, and I don't remember as much of it because I was just a kid. But I remember that storefront church, and when my family started going there, and the one of, one of the people who I look forward to seeing every week and goofing around with was you because, you know, you're a goofy guy. And I remember driving to church camp with you, me and my brother, and you were driving and you were making us laugh the whole time, you know? Well, in life, that's what life's about, having a good time. And, but we can do that without the drugs and alcohol, and that's mm-hmm. what I had to realize. And yeah. God made me realize that I can be Bob Birdsworth. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be what you expect me to be. I don't have to drink drugs, drink and do drugs to fit the crowd if I do. I'm not being Bob. I'm being what you want me to be. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to start making that thin line. Yeah, um, I, sh- I share with uh, the listeners the first time that I met Bob. This was way, way, way before I was a Christian, and um, I was sort of not not the same story, but running around with with uh, my friends doing things we weren't supposed to be doing. But the way that uh, we made some quick money uh, in our town was we would go around and we would sweep people's sidewalks. Um, we'd go around for we'd ask for fifty cents. Um, to sweep someone's sidewalk, and we normally try to get people that were old, but <laughs> not saying that Bob Thanks. was old at Thanks. that time, but uh, <laughs> he was old to you. <laughs> because normally they would give more than fifty cents. You ask for fifty, they cents, feel that pity. They would give you like a dollar or five dollars, and and then we would go do whatever we would do with it. And and then we were still pretty young. We didn't do anything heavy, like part of my testimony is. We go to Dairy Queen or we go buy toys or whatever, but that's when I, I, I went down to the meal and Bob was there and my grandma used to go down there all the time, every day, because she lived close. And I remember asking Bob if we could sweep the sidewalk down there and he said yeah and, and we were out there sweeping the sidewalk and then we went down to uh, where his business was and uh, we swept that sidewalk and, and that was... Uh, my first instance with Bob, and I can only imagine what he thought of me when just skinny old guy, uh, boy with a no shirt on, holding <laughs> holding the broom around his neck. I think he had a broken arm at the time. Yeah, I, pro- I might have. <laughs> Oliver Twist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, as as all three of us know, it's great to hear the story of when we weren't saved. And how God brought us through that journey uh, to when we to when He calls us to salvation, um, but also one of the greatest things to hear is what God is doing with each and every one of us right now. So, so Bob, what is God doing with you right now? Well, you know, and that's what we got to look at. You know, we hear this story. You hear quite often one door closes, another one opens up, um, and we have to take that step to decide to walk through that door or not walk through that door. The first step I made was make the walk through the door to the church. Yeah. Um, to walk into a church that I thought would fall down if I walked into it because <laughs> I was such a sinner. And to make that first step was the first step that let me know that we had my life is going to start changing here little by little. And I went into that um, 
altar and got saved. And then that door was op- open for me to become free of my alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I then went to school, got a real estate license. We got my real estate. Well, I had my license prior to that, but it really hadn't really affected it because I wasn't, I was just wanting money to drink with. But so I got really involved in my real estate business and got involved with that, which also at that time the church was opening a food ministry. We were starting our food ministry here in this church. Um, I helped out with that, got involved with that a little bit. I went to the church camps we had, got a little bit more involved in church plus personal business. But I kept a business line going on because God, those who don't work don't eat. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. says it right in the Bible. Um, we're supposed to work. We're supposed to provide money. We're yeah. supposed to take care of people. We're supposed to spend our money for what we need to spend it for to get stay alive on our own. But we also have to take care of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we really have that cross line, trying to figure out what should I give to God? You know, what should I take care of here? So I kept my job working in real estate and grew my business up my real estate. Um, and well, about five years in the real estate, I decided to put my name out there with me in the wheelchair because I didn't want to do that because I was afraid people would say, oh, poor Bob, we got to get the wheelchair, guy, so he can take care of this. You know, I didn't want that going on. I wanted to hire me for my experience, not because I felt sorry for you. And also didn't want to think I couldn't sell the house because I was in a wheelchair because I walk with crutches and braces as well. So I was trying to put that fazana out there and say, here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. So the real estate business took off for me. Um, so And I started coaching basketball at Turnstone, working with the wheelchair basketball team up there. Coached that for 20 years. So I was doing that with kids, doing that program, involved with the church, um, involved with the stuff. So I started growing in other things besides the alcohol. I had yeah. to find time to assume not in the bars. I stayed away from the bars. Um, with that growth, I started walking more with God through my walks. And he started leading me in what to do, where to go, and how to do things. Um, 20 years about four years ago, five years ago, the food ministry needed somebody to step in and take over the food ministry because they're moving the guys in charge up to the next level. Um, at that same time, the basketball program I was coaching didn't have a team that year. So mm-hmm. that door, the basketball shut, the ministry door opened. Mm-hmm. So I walked into the ministry door, took the ministry door over, took that over. Same time, that same year, my boss has a stroke. The, my broker, we have a fire at our office. Yeah, I remember that. And so we step, I stepped into the next position of becoming the agent running the office. So God shut two doors and opened two. Mm-hmm. Now I run an office that has nine agents working under me. I'm the top producer in my office. Um, I run the food ministry on a regular basis. I work down there every Sunday. I work down there every Wednesday. I work down there three or four days during the week off and on for people mm-hmm. to fill in. We've served uh, roughly 2,000 people a month, 365 days a year. I, but I started serving God, serving what He wanted me to do. I started serving, giving to people, helping people, running mis- ministries. Inside that ministry at the ch- downtown, the food ministry, we run a laundry ministry. That's strictly mm-hmm. me. I have laundry cards I give away with four pods for people who can't do the laundry. I started a bicycle ministry for people who need bicycles. But I found out through the my walk with Christ, the more I served other people without wanting something for it, mm-hmm. without asking for something or expecting something in return, my blessings went whew, through the roof. Yeah. Um, my relationship, my family, my kids have grown up. My daughter, who was my adopted daughter, really didn't have a lot to do with me during my alcohol stage. My other daughter was losing sight in me. 
I was raising her, but now we have a great relationship. I take them on vacations. We I spend time with the grandkids. I run with my grandkids on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. If I'm not at work, I'm with my grandkids. Mm-hmm. If I'm not at the ministry, I'm with my grandkids. And sometimes my grandkids are with me when I'm at the ministry because I make them go down and do stuff. Yeah. But I think we look at our lives and we start serving God and we start making donations to His ministries where He wants His money spent. As I tell my grandkids, it's not my money. God owns everything I have. Yeah. Everything. I got rid of my house. I moved back into my mom and dad's house with my parents. My dad's 80, 95. My mom's 83. I pay for the utilities coming to the house. I pay rent. And I'm there to go get groceries when they need it and take care of that stuff. But I got rid of all my materialistic things. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have the fancy house. I don't have to have the... I got a 2001 car that has 385,000 miles on it. I'm going to keep driving for another five years. You know, I just, but I take all my money and everything. I put it in his kingdom. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't put, you know, I take care of my stuff, but I also am donating to the ministries. Um, it's not about donating. It's even just giving your time. Mm-hmm. Um, going down to the ministries, I found out people who come down to the ministries like, first of all, well, how's it going to benefit me? Well, first of all, that's not the incentive. You don't go down there, how's it going to benefit me? If you're looking for a benefit somewhere, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. We go down there, and you start serving. You start seeing the people coming down. They appreciate it. They respect it. And you start growing that across the board. And I think that's the relationship you got to start building. You want God is my number one friend. Yeah, He is my only friend as far as I'm concerned. He's the, he's the one I worry about. He's the one I want to be friends with. Everybody else is friendship, but they're not eternal. They're not going to be there when it comes down. You know, I when I got paralyzed, I thought I had friends. Mm-hmm. None of them came to see me because they didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Ones I run with now, before with my other next step, I ever got pairs with were all my alcoholic friends. Why were they hanging with me? Because Bob was buying drinks. Mm-hmm. They didn't care if I lived or died as long as I was paying the bill. Mm-hmm. So in that, so I started looking at that across the board. And I'm single. I don't have a problem with that because I've got my relationship with Christ. I, if He wants somebody else in my life, He'll put them there. But I'm also not going to quit doing his work. Mm-hmm. Um, the other door, you know, I moved back into Huntington. I'm, I'm doing stuff at Huntington now. I'm also doing the YMCA. I coach ball with the YMCA kids. Because I love working with youth. I love working with those programs and giving my time to that. And giving them programs because those youth kids need leadership. Yeah. A lot of these kids are at, we have downtown and run the streets. The father's not there. Um, and they need somebody to look up to. Some role model that's going to give them guidance or how to become a parent. Uh, as a father, as a father, I have to look at my grandkids and my daughters. Are they getting life lessons? Or are they just going through life? Mm-hmm. There's a difference. You can go through life and never learn nothing. Mm-hmm. Or are you giving back to society as you're going through life? Um, and I'm blessed. I mean, God has blessed me beyond means. I mean, the real estate business is booming. It's, you know, I thought about quitting the real estate, but it's also, I know God's got that doing that because he knows where I'm going back and giving money back to this community and back to people in need. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to look at. If, you know, if you go put $1,500 at the church and you don't expect $1,500 back, you expect mm-hmm. to just be able to still stay above water. And I haven't been below water financially. I've been better off than I've ever been in the last five years mm-hmm. of my life because of where he's put me. I always remember it's his money. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you this question, Bob, because you mentioned, you know, doing the ministries, doing some ministries also outside of the church with the laundry ministry and the bike ministry and working at the, this is what people, some people don't understand, you know, when you go and coach, when you go and do those things, those are just as much as a ministry as yes, yes. the food ministry, yes. um, because you get the opportunity to lead and guide kids in, in the way of Christ. But um, I want to ask you, Bob, 
why why do you have such a working heart for uh, this community here in Huntington? I don't think it's just the community Huntington. I think it's people. Period. I just feel um, God has put us in this world to be leaders and to work and to help others. The blessing you get from helping others is more blessing than you'll ever get. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know. I was just talking to the boys, the guys earlier before we started this podcast. Just like yesterday, I was downtown and there's kids sitting on the corner that I know is homeless. Mm-hmm. I know he doesn't. He comes out of the ministry to eat, and I know he's sitting there and probably hungry. Yeah. So I go and grab my sandwich and a pop and take it to him, you know, um, and, and without any question, I don't even think about it, you know. Um, yeah, don't get it wrong. I see people in the corners begging for money, and I get a little offended by it. Like you know, there's work out there, you know. I and I'm, I'm a proving factor of I'm physically in a wheel to have a wheelchair. I've been disabled since 1988. Mm-hmm. I'm running the business. I'm coaching basketball. I'm running the food ministry. I'm working 24/7. And you're probably in better shape than me and Phil. Well, yeah. <laughs> but the point is. I'm not sitting around feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. I'm not looking for the next fix. I'm doing what I got to do to survive, and I'm doing what God wants me doing. And spending time, you have to have that serving heart, I guess. And that's what I think I've got. God's opened up to me. Um, you know, and we as we talk in the church sometimes, there's those people who get involved, personally get involved, and there's people who are financially involved. Mm-hmm. They'll give their money, but they don't want to get their hands dirty. I want to get my hands dirty and give the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because working in the field makes you appreciate what God has done in your life yeah. and lets people see that you're not afraid to be hang, get with them and hang with them and do things with them to get them next level. I have people come into ministry all the time that are just got a job and needs work boots and don't know where they're going to get the money at or they need medication and they need this. I used to hand money out. I quit doing that. You need it, I'll take you and get it. Mm-hmm. Because that way I know where it's going. That way I know that you're getting, because, you know, I give them 20 bucks this week, and next week they come in with another 20, and next week they want another 20. And all you're doing is supplying them money to go buy their cigarettes, whatever. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't have an issue with them buying their cigarettes. I think we run our ministries. People get upset because the people come down the ministry has got a cell phone. They got their cigarettes. They got their, you know, but it's society, and that's their life. That's all they've ever had. That's, and unfortunately, the lifestyle they're living is the lifestyle they're raised in. Mm-hmm. Most of them. Mm-hmm. Their parents didn't take time out in their lives. I'm not blaming all parents, but we have a lot of divorce issues. We have a lot of split marriages. Yeah. We have a lot of kids that are out married out of wedlock, kids out of wedlock. They're single mothers, single fathers. Yeah. It's just have to work yeah. and can't spend that time with their child. Um, you know, I think our society has lost that. Mom, I was lucky. My mom was a home, stay home mom while my dad worked. I had I went home to mother every day from school. She had a plan. We ate. We did our dinner. We had our homework. We had structure. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids in the society right now are not raised with structure, mm-hmm. and structure is a very important part of our lives. It makes us feel self worth. Mm-hmm. You know, I I didn't have a self worth when I was an alcoholic or drug addict. I really didn't have a reason. I was just going through life. I did, and now I have a self worth. I feel yeah. comfortable about myself. I'm happy with my body. I'm happy with myself. Um, I think that's where we have to look at. Um, we this body I walk in is God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. I'm walking around it. He give it to me. Yeah. And I'm supposed to take care of that temple the best way I can. Mm-hmm. And it's not abusing it. Yeah. So um while we while we uh close out what I would what I'll say before uh Bob gives his uh final thoughts to us is that if you have a ministry 
wherever you're at, if there's a ministry close, a food ministry, a shelter, or, or, or anything, or even if there's not, you have the ability to, to, to do something, I would encourage you to get involved. With, it's good to give financially, it's good to pray, it's good to, you, we need those things, you have to have those things. But I can tell you that I would be a different person if I never went down with a meal and served. Yeah. And honestly, it would be not as good of a person as what I would if I wouldn't have. Because you need to know broken people. You need to know how people are when they don't have Christ. Lost people, because you have the opportunity to share the gospel with them just by your actions. And and um, I don't have it pulled up, and, and I wasn't planning on reading it, but just the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, and being that Good Samaritan, being that good person that... Um, regardless of whoever the hurting person is, you're going to do whatever you can so that they might know who Jesus Christ is through you. And, and I believe Bob does that well. Um, and not the, I can brag on him <laughs> because um, he's a worker. Um, he has good work ethic, and, and that goes a long way in the kingdom of God. A person that is willing to lay brick after brick in the kingdom of God and and then to, to know the effect of it, that puts you in a good spot. So, so Bob, how about you give us your final thoughts? Well, you know, we can't get to heaven by works alone, as Bill's saying, but um, I think what we need to look at, we all are in a spot in our lives. Every one of us have are broken. Um, we may not think we are. You know, I always, I always saying used to be the boy with the most toys wins. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the boy with the most toys loses. Because he spends his time trying to collect the toys and get ahead of the world and get in front of them. And when I die, those toys aren't gone with me. Mm-hmm. And what have they proved? Mm-hmm. So I've got the brand new car. Did it mean anything? No, I had bills. Um, and serving, starting your own ministry or starting a ministry, you don't even have to do a ministry. You can just be there to support people is a ministry within itself. There's so many people out there who just need somebody to talk to who need somebody to think that cares about them, that think there is people out there in this world who are here. You know, it, people call me crazy, but you know, I'll be going through Walmart and there's a couple at the register having a card, probably their check credit card. And I'll just go up and slide my credit card in. I don't even look at the bill. Mm-hmm. Run it through. And that God's blessed me to be able to do that. Okay, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Uh, this, if, but it's not my money, it's his. He just It just hit me. Uh, for instance, one day I was going through Walmart, and this couple, this lady was having a hard time. They had two cashiers there trying to figure out what was wrong with the card or what was wrong. And I went down and got what I want and come back, checked out, and she was still there. And God had already told me, you need to put that card. You need to take care of that. So I just walked up there, and I slipped my credit card in there. And said, what are you doing? I said, just take care of it. And they took care of it, and I went on. And I didn't ask for thanks. I didn't even talk to the woman. I left. And, you know, of course, I go back in the store next day, one of the employees said, mm-hmm. that was a great thing. And I said, it wasn't me. God just told me to do it. But, you know, you can start a mission, ministry, without even knowing you're starting a ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. by being there to support your family and people. Don't criticize them. Don't give them a hard time if you're an alcoholic or a drug addict. Talk to them. Let them open up to you. Find out what what. What's what's making them go that direction? Mm-hmm. Is there a way? And there's plenty of places to go and get them set up. But we cannot Bible thump or force somebody to quit being an alcoholic or drug addict or to change their lifestyle. They have to want that inside their self. Mm-hmm. But they have to also have us as Christians showing the way mm-hmm. and not walking the walk and talking the walk, but 
doing it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't talk one thing and walk another. Yeah. Everything behind closed doors is not behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. God knows it all. You know, I'm gonna, you know, when I was doing the ministries, I'd lead the ministry and go shoot pool on Thursday nights. I wasn't drinking down there, but one of the kids is one of the well, he's not a kid, but he's delivering pizzas and so forth. And our parents go to our church, see me walk out of the bar at two in the morning after playing shooting pool, and goes his mom, oh that Christian boy, that handicapped kid, yeah, he's down at the bar two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, he's a real good Christian, not knowing anything about me, which made me realize I got to put be in the scene in that area. Mm-hmm. You know. Being open doors, I want my doors. I my doors are wide open. I don't hide nothing from anybody. Mm-hmm. My life's an open book. Um, but um, if I have anything to say, to anybody is if you are walking and afraid to let God in your life, you need to take the step. Let Him in. It's not going to change overnight, but you're going to have to give up some habits that you're, you're going to start feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's at. When I first got saved. I could drink and not drunkenness is what my it was said in the Bible. So I went ahead and did mm-hmm. social drinking. But I started feeling guilty, more and more guilty. Yeah. As I got closer to God, the more he started changing my life, the more I felt guilty about it, the more I moved to the next level. So take the door that is open and walk through it. God is knocking for you to let him in. Yeah. Amen. So our weekly verse is Romans six twenty three, which says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, well, Bob, again, we just want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. It's been a good time, and we knew it would be. Uh, That concludes this episode of Kingdom Faith. If you'd like to leave a comment or a request or a question for Bob, uh, you can email us at kingdomfaith2001 at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Kingdom Faith.